Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. everybody to another episode of Halitech Hall. We are back. We are going to talk about last night's game uh, and Mr. Halitech. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Double A. Good morning, fans. It's another episode of Halitech Hall. Unfortunately, it's not the episode we anticipated to record uh, this morning after the Bears-Packers uh, game. Unfortunately, uh, the Bears' offense didn't show up last night, and we'll uh, we'll go into detail about what was good and what was bad about last night's game because there's there's still, despite all of the bad on offense, there was still a lot of good both on defense and special teams. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was a great time still, even though it hurt. Uh, we, you and I, were able to go to the game. Uh, that was fun. Uh, great atmosphere. Um, you know, fans were hyped up. It was uh, it was definitely, um, you know, it felt like a playoff game. It, it feels like a lot bigger than it than it is. It feels like it's a lot more than just one game. Um, so I think it's important to remember that we did lose the first game last year. But the buildup for this was just so intense and so hyped. And to, to see it go down like that was definitely difficult. Absolutely. Uh, you know, let's start right away with the bad. First of all, of course, the Bears uh, trailed 7-3 to three at halftime. The only scoring in the second half was a field goal uh, by Green Bay. The Bears uh, had one last drive towards the end of the game, and uh, Trubisky threw an interception uh, to uh, basically end the game. And how ironic is Adrian Amos, who didn't have that many interceptions when he was with the Bears, uh, intercepted the pass. You know, there's a, a lot of things that went on in this game. Uh, there were there were just a boatload of penalties on both sides, mm-hmm. by the way. But the the one thing that that I was surprised at the end of the game, because you've got nothing to lose, is on that interception. I thought, and I had watched it this morning probably 10 times, and I still think that the defender in front of Allen Robinson armbarred him, and uh, it it, it deterred Robinson from being able to go after the ball and make a play on it. So why not with, you know, what, there's like 158 left to go in the game. Uh, Why not? throw that challenge flag there 
because you've yeah. got nothing. You've got absolutely nothing to lose at that point. Yeah. If the play gets called an interference, which I thought should have been called, um, you got the ball first and goal at the one yard line. So why not? Why not make that challenge? I just don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, I I will say that I hate that challenge rule already, but they did put it in place, so you might as well take advantage of it. Um, you know, I haven't watched the play over and over, um, so you know, I take your word for it. But yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> exactly. That pass interference uh, challenge rule played a crucial part in this game too. Earlier yeah. in the game, when. Uh, LaFleur for Green Bay challenged him. We're like, what the hell are you challenging? We had no mm-hmm. idea. And he challenged Gabriel uh, with a with a push-off. The play stood, but then one or two plays later, there was kind of a ticky-tack little where he puts his arm out on a long pass from Trubisky. It goes over the defender's hands, and Gabriel makes the catch. But out came the flag. Yeah. For offensive pass interference, and, and you and I actually debated that call yeah. from the stands. You thought it was uh, it wasn't it wasn't bad, but you know, you could clearly see that the arm was fully extended. Yeah. And you know, it it just you know I don't know if that had any bearing on the on the back judge throwing the flag on that, but it you never know. They could have been a little bit more focused on it after the challenge had been thrown by Lafleur. Well, and I think that that challenge by Lafleur killed the momentum of that drive too. Um, it's it's kind of a thing where I think coaches can use this challenge now, which can be so nebulous and sort of without real merit, to kind of you know um, to sort of stop things and you know and almost because it ends up being like an extended timeout, even if you get charged for the timeout. I mean. You get, you know, you still got it. So I don't know. It's just I don't love the rule. I think it. I think it's just too. It allows for too much latitude of what they can challenge, um, and it puts the referees again in just a really difficult position. I think, um, you know. So I don't know. Absolutely. What good did you see in the game last night, Aaron? Because I've I've got several things we can talk about for the good. So. Yeah, I let's, mean, let's start with what you thought. I mean, obviously the defense was fantastic um, to 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 put up a game like that against Aaron Rodgers. I don't care if he's in the new offense or what was was amazing. Um, you know, uh, Roy Robertson Harris played fantastic. Lloyd, Leonard Floyd played really well. Um, I thought Kyle Fuller played really well. Buster Screen. Uh, showed up. I mean, there was just a ton of good things on the defense. Um, you know, for the limited time that we saw him, uh, I thought Montgomery looked okay. Um, Allen Robinson showed up um, and, and played really well. Um, I actually think that the special teams played pretty well, except for a couple penalties. Um, Pinero looked pretty good, except for the kicking the ball, uh, the kickoff out of bounds. And, uh, you know, Pat O'Donnell punted the ball eight times and, um, you know, he looked, he, he was okay. Um, you know, he wasn't fantastic, but they did, they did put them in, uh, I think they put them inside the 20, um, let me see what it was. 
Uh, they put him inside the 23 times. He punted the ball eight times, average for 42.6, and he had a long punt to 53. So overall, I think the special teams did their job. Their return game, Tariq Cohen had nine or had four punt returns for only 36 yards, so that wasn't great. Um, he had one where it looked like he had a crease, and then he ran right into the back of Deion Bush. Um, but overall, I mean, this defense, you know, as as I didn't think was going to happen, it really did not regress. I mean, it looked really good. Um, the one big play that they gave up actually turns out uh, was the was one of the few plays in the game where Khalil Mack and HaHa Clinton Dix were not on the field for some reason. And I don't know if it was just because they needed rest because, I mean, they did need, you know, it felt like the defense was on the field the entire game, so. Um, but, you know, I mean, I would take those positives away from it. Um, there's not a lot of positives about the offense, but, um, you know, mostly on the defense. And, you know, so I think uh, if we can figure this out, you know, we the good news is, is we still have a defense that's going to keep us in games. Yeah, absolutely. The, the defense played out of their minds. So mm-hmm. let's go over a little bit about the defense they held Aaron Rodgers to 166 net yards passing. They only allowed 47 yards rushing. That was an average of only 2.1 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. They forced nine punts. They got five sacks. Uh, it was truly uh, an impressive effort. They held Green Bay to negative total yards in the entire first quarter. Mm-hmm. They only allowed two long drives of over 50 yards. Both of them were right around 70 yards. One was the touchdown in the first half, and one was the field goal in the second half. Yeah. Uh, that's, that in particular, that, that second drive that led to the field goal, uh, I don't know what was going on, but Aaron Rodgers was able to, to find a couple of receivers in the middle of the field just absolutely wide open. Fuller, uh, I don't know what his... You, know, you don't know what defense is called, if he's playing a deep zone or, or whatever, but he was 10 yards behind the guy that caught the ball on both the, on, on two occasions that led to two big plays that extended the drive each time. Yeah, that but, was weird. There was one, it was a 35-yard pass to, to some guy named Davis, who I don't even know who that is, some backup tight end. And then there was a 28-yard pass to, to R. Tanyan, some other no name guy on the on the Packers the, on that drive that were just like yeah you're right I mean there was just a it looked like a like they weren't sure what who was supposed to cover who you're absolutely right it was mind boggling to see such a great defensive performance in an, on the other side of the football how we got to call a spade a spade in this one double A. Yep. How absolutely atrocious this offense was from game plan and play calling, which you've got to put on right squarely on the, sh- the shoulders of Coach Nagy. Yep. Uh, Trubisky was off. Trubisky was uh, 26 of 45, which is somewhat respectable, but only 228 yards. And the biggest difference, take a look at this. Aaron Rodgers, 18 for 30 for 203 in a touchdown. Trubisky, 26 out of 45 for 228 yards, 
no touchdowns and the one pick at the end of the game. So yeah. unfortunately, and then of course, you know, two of those, two or three of those uh, incomplete passes were on that last drive where he threw two incompletes and then got sacked to on fourth down to, to uh, basically end the game. And Rogers came in and knelt down for uh, two plays to, to end the game. The bears dominated time of possession in the first quarter. And there was like 11 and a half to three and a half. Mm-hmm. But Green Bay came back and actually had a little bit of an edge in time of possession, only by about two minutes. But that said, you know, they were down by almost 10 minutes in time of possession early in the game. So they dominated the second half of time of possession, which you know, put a took its toll on the on the Bears defense. Even though it was a it was a beautiful night for football, there was obviously obviously no heat drain because of uh, being out in the in in the hot sun. It was just an absolute gorgeous day for football or evening for football. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the the Bears drives, six plays, twelve yards, punt, six plays, sixteen yards, field goal. Seven plays, 25 yards, punt. Four plays, 34 yards, punt. Five plays, 12 yards, punt. Three plays, zero yards, punt. Three plays, two yards, punt. Three plays, nine yards, punt. Six plays, 47 yards, downs. That was that drive in after the in the second half was, I think, a just a really really poor like some of the worst play calling and then to go for it on fourth and 10 at the green bay 33 up and down you know seven to three i just thought was a was a brutal decision by Nagy. i i don't necessarily think you put pinero out there to kick a 51 yarder but he said after the game because they asked him about that, and he said, well, that's, you know, our, our, our was beyond our number. You know, they have a set number that they're going to let Pinero kick. <clears throat> it's like, okay, so if you're not going to kick it because you don't want to give them the ball back at that field position, then you punt it. You do not go for it on fourth and ten. Like, it, it's just and, – and the, the play ended up being a Trubisky scramble – for three yards, so it was some broken. Like I just don't, I, mean, I don't, I don't understand the mentality at that point. It, it felt like Nag, Nagy was calling that game as if they were down by three touchdowns the whole game, and they had to throw their way back into it. Like I, I made the the analogy on Twitter that he Nagy was like a gambler, and he just kept playing the same number again and again, hoping that it was going to hit because he was so so set on getting Mitch going like he had to get Mitch going and and you know and just prove everybody prove something you know it was like no you needed to get the run game going like you needed to move the ball and get some first downs you know I thought that was what we were going to do but to me that was just like right there they had a real chance to to get back in the game um you know and I mean Mitch had a had a few near interceptions, you know, a, a lot of questionable throws. I mean, he made some nice throws. I'm not going to sit here and say he made no nice throws, but 
he looked I mean he looked lost he looked out of sorts he looked like the moment was too big for him which was weird because I didn't think that that was going to be the case um and and the Green Bay defense, I think you have to give them credit. They definitely looked improved. They, the pass rush was getting to Mitch pretty frequently. Uh, the the secondary was right on top of the receivers. Um, you know they they looked uh, they looked definitely improved. But that Green Bay offense, man, I mean they're not special. Aaron Jones was a no show. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, was was on his back half the game. And getting pressured and hit and, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, he, he still has that ability when things break down to just throw it out there and make a play. And he did it, you know, and, and Mitch, you know, Mitch had a couple times where he had the same opportunity and, and what you got was an underthrown ball that Taylor Gabriel has to push a guy in the back to try to get. So I don't know. There was a play right at the end of the game before the interception where Trubisky uh, was under pressure and he threw the ball off of his back foot. He uh, he tried to hit, I can't remember the name of the receiver, but uh, tried to do back shoulder. It was, a, it was even underthrown for a back shoulder grab. Yeah. And the, the defender... Basically, he, he never turned his back, but he he extended his hands out, mm. and the ball de- deflected off of his right hand and fell incomplete. That would have been a touchdown because that was at the one-yard line, and all yeah. he had to do was fall the receiver. He had to fall back into the end zone, and yeah. that ties the game. And, and you know, sadly, you, know, you had a crucial drop by uh, Shaheen uh, yeah. on that drive. Yep. So you you had all of these things. What ifs? You know it, that last drive became a, a, a just a history of what what ifs and a microcosm of the whole game that you had just mentioned. Trubisky looked really good on that drive with some great throws, yeah. but at the end he made a couple of poor decisions, especially that that last play where uh, you had two guys in the middle of the field that were open yeah. uh, went back and you know, you and I were talking about that. I think you had mentioned last night at the game that you thought Wims was open, but when you look at the, at the tape uh, on that play, you actually had Cohen and Montgomery mm-hmm. open in the middle of the field. It's yeah. only third down. If Cohen gets the ball and jukes, he's in the end zone. Montgomery was between two linebackers. And if he can make a juke, he gets around him. Either it's third down and short, uh, or he snakes through for at least a first and goal and maybe even six points. So you had two guys yeah. right in the middle of the field. Sadly, on that play, again, another microcosm of, of Trubisky's night is he locked on. Yep. He, he never looked to the right side of the field. That allowed Adrian Amos to, to go and shadow uh, Robinson in the corner and uh, made the interception. So uh, just an absolute microcosm of that entire night where a couple of poor decisions, the ball that wasn't uh, well thrown, yeah. but all, all in all, it was just, you know, it was just a bad offensive performance. Uh, one of the things that Nagy said, he said, you know, three points is unacceptable. And he said he, he took some of the blame and, Rightfully so. Yeah. Take take a look at this. Cordero Patterson had two touches all game long. 
Yeah, he had a lot of he had a lot of targets though, which kind of was. They only had three targets. Oh, he I had three that, targets. I, oh, I thought one he reception. read that he had more. Oh. Yeah, uh, yeah, three targets, one reception, one rush for on that third and one. That was and terrible. Green Green Bay just absolutely collapsed our line. We'll talk about the uh, the no show of our offensive line here in a little bit, but yeah, uh, Cordero Patterson wasn't used. Uh, right. Tariq Cohen got one attempt at a rush on the very first play from the line of scrimmage, and he fumbled the ball. Yeah. So he didn't even get credit for uh, for one carry, and right. he never touched the ball out of the backfield again. Right. So I think he had he ended up leading the team with eight receptions, but for you know only forty some odd yards. Yeah. The star of the night obviously was Allen Robinson with seven catches, 102 yards. He he has. He had more explosiveness in this game than he did any time in the first half of the year last year. Right. Uh, Anthony Miller was a no-show. Javon Wims was a no-show. Uh, it was it was basically the the uh, Cohen uh, Shaheen had a couple of targets. He had one, you know, two catches, one drop, uh, and of course Allen Robinson. So it was Robinson and Cohen. That were your your main. They had 15 receptions um, of mm-hmm. uh, of the 26 completions that that Trubisky threw. So yeah. you know there's there's a little bit of you know there's a little bit of hope there. But I, I got to tell you when when the Bears lost the first game last year to Green Bay, you you saw some promise from the offense. The first half they clicked, and the second half they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything this entire game. They, they had some spurts where they had some successes. They had a couple of drives of over 30, 40 yards. But then, you know, penalties killed them. Or a drop ball would kill them. Uh, or a good play by the, the defense would kill them. You can't, you can't start a series in field goal range and first and 10 and end up at first and 40. Yeah. That was just insane. Disgusting. It was, and that was, you know, part of that was that, uh, that interference call that we talked about that, that, um, yeah, Gabriel got called for. So let's talk about the offensive line as much as we hate to, Mm. but they got absolutely no push against the green Bay front seven uh, our offense, we had no rushing. And then, of course, later in the game, Nagy, of course, abandoned the run. And we've talked about that with Nagy, and we talked about that with John Fox uh, before the Nagy regime, is we abandoned the run too often. You, know, you ended up forcing Nag- in Trubisky to throw 45 times. The, that's not 45 dropbacks because he got sacked five times. He scrambled two or three times. So you're talking at minimum 50 or 51 dropbacks, and you just can't, you know. The sad part about this is after the game, some of the Green Bay defenders are on record saying, we forced Trubisky to beat us as a quarterback. I don't and, think that's that's not even true. Nagy did that. They didn't but, force anything. Well, you know, but of course, and they, they were crashing in, um, mm, yeah. uh, and they were stopping. They were stopping the run. You know, obviously, the, I don't know if you want to credit 
Green Bay's defense. Green, Green Bay got five sacks too. Agreed. I will credit them for 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 pass rush. I cannot sit here and tell you that they stopped the run because we didn't even try to establish the run. So, you know, it's not like we really tried to run the ball and then just got nothing. I mean, it wasn't fantastic, but they just completely abandoned it. Like, you know, so I wouldn't say that. And I wouldn't say that that's because the Packers like stopped it. I just feel like, you know, like I said, I just think Nagy just keeps thinking if I do this and then I'll get Mitch going. I'll I'll throw this play this you know and then we'll get Mitch going and it's like you know no, no, no. just um, and, that, and they never got Mitch going no and that that you got to put that one right on the on the shoulders of number ten he just yep. did not get anything going there was no rhythm to that offense the entire no. game you had two drops you know the Bears were one of the best teams. In in no drops last year, and here you have two drops. One was right between the two and the nine of Tariq Cohen. The other one was on that last drive against uh, with Shaheen dropping the ball that would have been oh, and, second and, and five. Uh, I believe Taylor Gabriel had a drop too, and he didn't have any drops all year <laughs> last year. Yeah, you might be right, and maybe I'm, maybe that. it was maybe it was Gabriel, not Cohen, that that I'm thinking of. Yeah. But you know, two or three drops. We we didn't see three drops in one game all year last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. We didn't see the Bears punt eight times all no. game last year. No. You hold the the Packers to how many three and outs and nine punts and only yep. ten uh, ten points. You yep. know, in, in every single drive except for the touchdown. In the field goal, I'm sorry, I'm tapping on the, I'm, I'm so angry, I'm tapping yeah, on no, the table. Right. So that's gonna come through on the, on the, uh, <laughs> on the recording. So that's I apologize right. for that's that. Right. But um, yeah, it's just you want to sit there and go, what's going on? This is a team that you know we were supposed to see Nagy's offense 202, yep. and this was remedial. This wasn't even 101. And uh, Matt Nagy's got to take a lot of blame for that offensive lack of showing last yeah. night. And I have been never one to criticize Coach Nagy since the day he took took over. What he's brought to this team is amazing, but this this game plan was just absolutely terrible. Well, you you mentioned that about the you know how how ineffective Green Bay was. They they only had two drives that were even more than 25 yards. And that was the, that that was the 10 play 73 yard drive for the field goal and four play four 74 yard drive for the touchdown. Everything else was like five yards, 14 yards, 19 yards, negative 10 yards, 20 I mean like they were just absolutely shut down I mean nobody in Green Bay could feel any bit of good about about how that offense looked I mean Aaron Jones was a no-show and our defense was fantastic and the thing that kills me is you didn't even need Mitch to be great hell you didn't even need him to be good you just needed him to not be awful and he and he was awful Yep, he was awful. Uh, but again, I go back to the the play calling. Mm-hmm. You know, the play calling, the game plan yep. was awful. There, yep. there was there was no 
it didn't even look like there was a, a, a game plan. Yeah. I'm just absolutely stunned by all of the hype that we had, all of the 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 preseason. You know, our defense is rocking. It's rolling. Yeah. We're going to be – it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, and it turned out to be – when you look at, at the last two games played in the NFL, the Super Bowl and now the season opener, there's only two touchdowns. Yeah. New England scored one green base. On. It was, what, 13-3 to three or something in the Super Bowl, and this game it's 10-3. to three. Uh, We set back this Joe or this Madden football – um, you know, these these joystick types of scoring 50 mm-hmm. points and 40 points. We set the NFL back yeah. 60 years with yeah. this game. It was absolutely that bad of a performance by both teams. So yeah. either the offense was really bad on both sides or the defense really good on both sides or a little bit of both mm-hmm. on each side of the ball. But you know, I was listening to ESPN this morning uh, because I don't have anything else in my hotel room, mm. and uh, they they had they had mentioned this particular stat, and uh, one of the one of the sportscasters actually said, "Have defenses caught up to the offense joystick type of football that we've been seeing over the last couple of years getting more and more prevalent." And that was a good point, an interesting yeah, point. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens with this uh, this week's games. Uh, one thing that we we do we do have to go to Denver uh, to start the season on the road next Sunday. But uh, Denver has to start on the road on a Monday night in what is an absolute abysmal PR show that is the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute. This Antonio Brown, I didn't realize that that I, I heard he had he was ranting at Mike Mayock in front of the entire team at practice, but I didn't realize that he actually threatened him. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you heard anything about that. Well, the report was that he from Schefter that there was a, an exchange, an altercation. Uh, Antonio Brown threatened to punch. Uh, Mike Mayock, um, you know, it all started because they went ahead and fined him for the things he missed. And so Antonio posted a, a picture of the letter that they sent him, fining him like, you know, $55,000 or whatever. Um, and so he posted this letter, like basically like calling out the team and saying that they betrayed him and all this junk. And then, uh, you know, next time they're together, this is what happens, and so they basically suspended him. Uh, and most of the most people think that this is it for him. That that they're gonna they're gonna you know use the personal conduct uh, policies to basically void his guaranteed money uh, on the contract and probably part ways with him. So it looks like you know at least at this point that he's cost himself about thirty million dollars um, with his antics. Um, but that, there's, I don't think there's any way we're going to see him play uh, Monday night, and then I don't know if we'll ever see him play for the Raiders at all. Interesting. Yeah. Our uh, our second round draft pick in the twenty uh, in the is it the, is it the second round draft pick? Yeah. In the second round draft, draft pick that we in got 2020, the, yeah. from the Raiders for the Clue mm-hmm. Mac. 
Yep. So um, that 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 pick is looking better and better uh, <laughs> every every moment. Exactly. Going on the uh, this this ESPN show that I was watching this morning, uh, they were talking about one guy on the show, and I don't know their names because I don't watch ESPN anymore. It, they just happen to be the only sports station on in the hotel room. But mm-hmm. one guy was sitting there going, "Oh, Raiders have to cut him, and they have to cut him now." And the one of the other guys on the panel, there of the there's four panelists, and he says, "Well, I don't think they're going to cut him yet until they can figure out a way by talking with the league on how they can void his contract and not pay him any of that thirty million that was supposed to be guaranteed." Smart right. point on, right. on his his uh, behalf. It yeah. was, uh, you know, they've got to do that. They've got to mm-hmm. do that. They've, they've got to, uh, you know, I, I would love for them to, stay, to keep having him on the active roster on week one uh, to see if he shows up to the game, but, but then put him on the inactive list, you know, prior to the game, because, you know, you, could, you only can dress so many players uh, on the roster, which you and I talked about last night, seeing how, how that makes no sense at all. So you 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 put him on the you put him on the roster you put him on the inactive list before the game. Let's say he storms off the field and doesn't mm-hmm. show up. Now right. you can your your conduct detrimental to the team and and if there's a way that they can void the contract, I think they will. So is yeah, that- from what I've heard, there definitely is a way and there's a there's a list that they could put him on. Um, that they can, um, you know, uh, that is basically like a non-football related inactive list, essentially. So, um, you know, but they definitely don't want him to, like, if if I believe if he plays even one game, then a lot of that guarantee, at least half of that guaranteed money, is is non-refundable essentially. So that you know, it's in their best interest to make sure that he does not. Uh, see the field um, if their goal is to get rid of him. And at this point, I don't see how how you can't. I mean, you cannot let that type of thing stand and and have your, you know, send that kind of message to the team that it's okay to act like that to the general manager of the team. I mean, you just you just can't. You lose all credibility to your team, and you just send the message that yeah, this is fine. This is okay to behave this way. And what a mess. I mean, they, you know, they, they signed a guy who quit on his last team. So, you know, you get what you pay for. And it's just, it's, you know, I mean, thank goodness that they were stupid about Khalil Mack for our sake. But, I mean, they basically, they let, you know, uh, their receiver go to the Cowboys, who was very good because they didn't want to pay him. And then they pay this cancer. And then, you know, they, they don't want to pay Khalil Mack. I, I just, they're a mess. They're a disaster. Total mess, absolutely. We did not mention at the beginning of the show uh, our wonderful sponsor, TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. We have given away two sets of tickets already through this podcast, uh, one to one, one pair to each of the two preseason games. We have two sets of tickets Upcoming for the, the Minnesota game in September at the end of this month, and then again the Detroit Lions game 
on what would be Veterans Day weekend, the 10th of November. So Minnesota Vikings, Detroit Lions. All you have to do is follow Halitech Hall if, to be eligible for the drawing against the Detroit Lions game. Uh, we just need to get up to 500, and I think we're less than eight dozen away from that number. So please tell all your friends uh, we talk not just about Bears current stuff. It, it's it's straight talk. We don't bash other podcasts. In fact, we welcome any of the Chicago Bears Twitter podcasters to come on our show. We'd love to talk football. We love to talk about all of the great podcasters that are out there. Uh, all you got to do is follow us and retweet us often so we get more followers. And we, as soon as we get to 500, we're going to draw one one winner for the game in Detroit. The second one is a great contest, and it's only for those who listen to this podcast. And all you have to do is send an email to our Gmail account. That's Halitech Hall, all one word, H-A-L-A-T-E-K-H-A-L-L, at gmail.com. In the subject line, just type in Bears Tickets, and in the body of the email, we need your real name and your Twitter handle or social media handle if you don't have Twitter. That's all you got to do, and we're going to pick a winner for the uh, Minnesota tickets here coming up in just uh, about two weeks. So get those entries in. Uh, All you have to do is follow us on Twitter at Halitech Hall and you're, you're registered to win the game, the ticket game, game tickets for the Detroit Lions. We're going to talk a little bit of Bears history, a couple of the last most recent playoff teams. Uh, the 1977 Bears is the first playoff team uh, in Chicago since they won the championship in 1963. And, of course, our 1985 Bears and we'll be right back after this message from TickSplits.com. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TickSplits.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TickSplits.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TickSplits.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TickSplits.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every visit everywhere all right so <laughs> we are back thanks for of course our continued sponsorship by ticksplits.com uh we appreciate uh all their uh support and you know we're out here giving away tickets uh so please just come on and get those tickets it's really not going to be challenging um and you know they're there for you so uh Follow TickSplits.com. Also, if you use the promo code TAILGATE, you can get 5% off your order for any other event that you might be looking for. One of the things we like to do that sets this podcast apart from all of the other Bears Twitter podcasts is our focus on Bears history. And what I wanted to do uh, throughout the year is kind of mirror this season because of all of the hopes we had going into this season with the the 1985 season 
uh, that was, of course, our only Super Bowl, uh, only championship in the Super Bowl era. And week one of the 1985 season, the Bears also opened their season at home. It was a Sunday. It was a hot Sunday afternoon in September. And the Bears opened the season against Tampa. Tampa at that time was in the Bears division, so they played them home and home, just like they have been doing with Green Bay, Minnesota, and Detroit for years and years and years. The Bears defense did not look anything like the Bears defense that the 1985 season would be renowned for. In fact, they couldn't stop Tampa in the first half. Tampa was all over them with 28 first-half points, and the Bears trailed at halftime going into uh, – and it did, it didn't look good. Uh, I was actually at that game. Uh, the Bears uh, did score 17 points uh, of their own, so it was 28-17 going into the second half. And as would often happen – in any, t- it's a big play can absolutely change the outcome of a game, and that's exactly what happened early in the, the third quarter. Tampa got the ball to start the second half, and on their second play from from scrimmage, uh, Doug Williams threw a quick pass to the Bears' right side of their defense. Richard Dent jumped up batted the ball, deflected it, came right into the arms of Les Frazier, who turned it into a pick six. And from there on out, the Bears were never stopped. Uh, That cut the lead from 28-17 to 28-24. The Bears went on to score uh, two late touchdowns to end up winning, going away 38-28. I wanted to bring that up, especially after last night, because we didn't get a turnover as well as the defense played, uh, you know, holding this team to just uh, paltry numbers on offense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had negative, I'm sorry, net passing yards for under 200. They just had the, the two drives of uh, that actually led to their 10 points but we didn't get that big play. We had a chance where I think Jimmy Graham in the first half had a ball go off his foot, and it ended up getting right into the hands. I believe it was Roquan Smith, and it would have been an easy pick six, and he dropped the ball. Uh, Imagine how that one play could have changed the entire outcome of last night's game. So yeah. uh, as well as a defense can play or sometimes as poorly as they start, as was the case in week one of 1985, one play can change an outcome of a game. And uh, it's, it's interesting to note that, and we'll talk about this as we mirror the 1985 season throughout this year from game to game to game that, um, the Bears could have easily started the season one and three in 1985, and but uh, they ended up going 15 and one, as we all know, and went to the Super Bowl and destroyed the New England Patriots 46 to 10. So we're going to talk a lot about the 85 team. And uh, speaking of the 85 team, it was great to see several of the 85 team come out onto the field right before the the kickoff 
last night's game, uh, Jim McMahon was there, Jimbo Colbert was there, Dennis McKibben was there. It was it was just great to see uh, how this current team has embraced the Super Bowl team of 1985. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they you know the the organization in, in general has just done a great job of embracing. Um, these players of the past, and it's not something that they've always done. So kudos to uh, Nagy and Pace, I think, for leading that charge to return to that or to start that. I mean, in a lot of ways. And there's there there's always there's been a history of former Bears players who have not spoken very highly of how welcomed they felt by the Bears um, <clears throat> prior to this regime. So. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to see. I mean, even um, Jay Cutler was on the field. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like after the fact and we didn't win the game, you know, uh, you kind of the thought kind of crosses your mind. Like, you know, there was was there too much extra stuff with this game? But I think, you know, it being the opener of the season and, and all the, the surrounding stuff of that, it's kind of unavoidable. But. You know, it just added to the sort of feeling of like it was almost like a playoff game or or something like that. And, um, you know, culminating on the, you know, from the from the Bears 100 celebration and all this stuff. It's just kind of like it's it was great to see. But in hindsight, you know, it's like you kind of wish they had just played a game and won the damn game. <laughs> <laughs> just just win the damn game. Damn yeah. It. Holy moly. Uh, (laughs) The Bears, after the 1963 championship, which was, was of course, George Hallis's last, uh, the Bears hadn't been to the playoffs, and we're now talking mid-late 70s. And the Bears team of 1977, which was Walter Payton's MVP year, he actually, he literally carried this team on his back. The Bears... Started off the season three and five, and absolutely were humiliated uh, in their their fifth loss of the year, going down to Houston and just absolutely got pummeled. And they were at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. Walter Payton had one of his best days as a running back. He ran for over 190 yards. He had over 200 yards of total offense, three touchdowns, but the Bears were behind. 17 to three at halftime. The Bears scored uh, a touchdown late, late in the game on a 15-yard run by Walter Payton with just over two minutes to go in the fourth quarter that got them all the way back to actually take the lead against the Ed Podolak-led Kansas City Chiefs. It was 21 to 20 at the two-minute warning. But Kansas City came down and and just ripped right through the Bears' defense, and they scored a touchdown. Bears had no timeouts left. They scored a touchdown with under a minute to play, and one of the most remarkable comebacks I have ever been to, and I think is still the best comeback game in the history of the Bears franchise, Greg Latta caught a pass from Bob Havellini, who had a terrible game prior to that, uh, with three seconds left to go in the game. And why do I bring this up? Well, because Bob Thomas struggled all game long with his field goals. He kicked the extra point. The Bears took the a 28 to 27 lead with three seconds left. They uh, recovered the, a, a squib kick 
as time expired and they won the game. They went on to win their next five games and finished nine and seven and made the playoffs for the first time since that 1963 championship team. So one game, although I hate, I absolutely hate when people go, yeah, it's just one game. Well, in a 16-game season, you know, one loss is like a 10-game losing streak in Major League Baseball. That's how significant one loss can be in, in the NFL. And it's just a shame, absolutely a shame, that this game got away from the Bears because their offense just absolutely didn't do a thing. I was reading an article uh, while we were on our break uh, on, on CBS Sports, and Nagy is literally out there saying, um, we were rolling in practice and it just didn't translate to the field last night. No, Matt, it didn't. And that's on you. That's on you, Mr. Nagy. That game, the terrible play calling, the you know going forward on fourth and ten, the third and one, absolutely pathetic runs that caused punts. It was just absolutely a pathetic game that you called. I don't know what your game plan was, but it obviously wasn't conducive to getting Mitch in a rhythm. Throw some short passes, get the run game going, get a little play action, and then you can break it open. But absolutely a terrible job of game planning last night, uh, and unfortunately, uh, Trubisky had a terrible job of executing that plan of what plan there, there actually was. So um, a lot to look forward to. Speaking of looking forward, what do we have on tap for next week's game? Uh, well, we've got to travel to Denver and play our old friend Vic Fangio. Um, so it's it's not going to be an easy game. Um you know, uh, this this is a coach that knows us well and, um, you know, really, really uh, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. Um, I, I really hope that, um, uh, you know, that we can absolutely, um, <clears throat> you know, come up with something uh, because the, the the Denver defense is formidable and uh, I hope that we can turn things around. I mean, obviously their offense is not great, um, you know, uh, but they do have a good running game and uh, it's tough to play in Denver during that time of year. And it is, um, you know, really, really challenging, um, you know, to play in the altitude. It's going to be a, a, probably a warm game. So this is not a gimme. I mean, there's really no gimmies on the schedule in the NFL, but this is not a, a game that they can afford to to uh, take any lightly at all. So it's going to be, you know, I, I think the worst part about this, I mean, it's good and bad, but the worst part is that now we have to sit here and talk about, you know, yesterday's game for 10 days so yeah isn't that sad yeah the, the game is a, a week from sunday out in denver it's a 325 start for us locally here in the chicago area one good thing for the you know just the, the casual fan or even the uh, 
you know, the hard, uh, hard die in the wool Bears fans that you and I are, and many of the podcast listeners are. So we get to see Denver live because they're playing on national television Monday night. I have to admit that I have no idea what the Packers, I'm sorry, what the uh, uh, Broncos offense or defense is going to look like. Uh, I don't know how much we can glean from Monday night's game because they're playing probably what is a worse Oakland Raider team. But, you know, that's a team that we have to face in a couple of weeks as well. So it's nice to get a chance to see what these two teams are doing so we can maybe get a glimpse as to what the Bears might be able to do on offense. Defense, obviously, we're not worried. They came out and just dominated a very good offensive team that is the Green Bay Packers. And even though it's a it's a new scheme, quote unquote, for Aaron Rodgers, you know, it's still the same players on the field for the most part executing that offense. And the Packers have always had a great offense under Aaron Rodgers. And as you had said earlier in the podcast, when twelve is on the field, anything can happen and often does. But they held them to only ten points. So I'm expecting a similar effort from the Bears' defense. Bears' offense has to stay on the field and protect. I'd love to see the Bears get out there early uh, and fly out there maybe Thursday night after Thursday's practice to get acclimated to the weather, do their walkthrough on Friday out in Denver so they don't have to fly in and, and suffer the fate of, of trying to acclimate to playing at, you know, 5,300 feet above sea level as opposed to the, you know, being at sea level or, <laughs> or just a little bit above it here in Chicago. So uh, looking forward to going over that game uh, in a lot more detail on our next podcast because that podcast will come out Thursday or Friday uh, prior to the Denver game. Aaron, you got any last thoughts for our listeners? No, I mean, I think you're right that it is, you know, that the idea of it just being one game is not is is not uh, necessarily valid because every game does matter. But I just want to encourage our fans to not flip so hard on Nagy and Pace. I'm seeing a lot of it already, and I know it's just Twitter and whatnot, but I heard a lot of it uh, leaving the stadium. Um, I, I was I was pretty disappointed to see how many people left with two minutes left on the clock, uh, only down by, you know, um, one score uh, and about to get the ball back. Uh, that was very, that was disappointing from the fan base. Um, you know, Nagy said that the fans have every right to boo, and I, and they do. I just feel like the boo birds came out pretty early, I and mean, it was, you know, um, you know, it was just it, it's disappointing. And I think we, you know, it's disappointing because we spent eight months kind of building this up and defending Trubisky, and and you know, to all the haters and whatnot. And then he comes out in place like this, and and you just feel deflated. But I, I would just encourage the fans to not. Um, you know, go too hard the other way uh, because I, I still think this is going to be a good team, and I think uh, we still have every reason to believe that that uh, we're going to have a good season. And you know, I mean, we started 0-1 last year, so um, I think if there's a coach that can that can turn this around, it's Nagy, and I and 
Um, you know, I, I feel like the next two games are going to be wins, and uh, you know, we'll just go from there. Um, but again, it was a great time uh, to go to the game. Uh, it's always great when you can go to a game. So I appreciate, um, you know, uh, your uh, friendship and and uh, you know, uh, going to the game. Um, that was a great time, and uh, you know, so. Let's just keep uh, keep positive and keep uh, you know believing, and um, you know you never know what can happen. Uh, you know, and, and so in that sense, it is just one game, um, and there are 15 more to play, and um, you know it's it's going to be a long season, and I think we we have a, a lot to still be very hopeful about. Absolutely, yeah. It's only one game. As much as I hate to say that. Yes, the Bears lost week one last year and ended up rolling off 12-3. and three. After that, the, the Bears offense has to show up starting Sunday afternoon in, in Denver. Um, yeah, Our friendship has been amazing, and I can't thank you enough for, for producing this show. We might have to go to another game this year. Hopefully the outcome will be a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, folks, until later this week, when or I guess next week, when we put out our, our pre-Denver game podcast on Halitech Hall, wish you all the best. Enjoy all the football action. You can sit back and relax and, and not have to worry about watching the Bears play this Sunday, but get out, watch those games, because you're going to see some of the teams that we have to play coming up. you got Washington playing. You've got the, the Raiders playing Oakland. And, of course, you've got the Vikings that, that are going to be all playing this weekend. So do a little scouting on your own as a fan to see how this team, especially our defense, stacks up with the offenses over the, the four teams that we're going to be playing over the next four weeks. So with that, uh, don't forget to go to TickSplits.com for all of your ticket needs, not just Bears tickets, baseball soccer, basketball, NHL, concerts, and they have it all. They have over $6 billion of ticket inventory on their website every day. So if you can buy it at StubHub or SeatGeek, you can buy it cheaper because there's no service fees, and then you get an extra 5% off of that by using promo code TAILGATE. That's T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E. It's all caps. It's all one word. And you'll save 5% for our, exclusively for our podcast and Twitter followers. So with that, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Aaron, take us away. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. Uh, please uh, rate and review and uh, share the podcast. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, uh, follow Tick Splits, uh, follow the Tailgate Show, and check out all that we do. Um, so enjoy the week, enjoy the weekend of football, and uh, bear down, and we will see you next week. <laughs>